this week on the Happy Half Hour. Part of the reason you make this move is, okay, you didn't hire Frank Reich and Jim Caldwell and Josh McCown and Thomas Brown and Sean Jefferson and Deuce Staley to run a pedestrian offense. You, your goal was to modernize and catch up to the NFL in terms of offense. Touchdown, Carolina! It's time for the Happy Half Hour with your friends, Kristen Balboni, Augusta Stone, and Darren Gant. Welcome to a special emergency edition. I guess emergency makes it sound bad, but this is a great time to be having a special edition of the Happy Half Hour podcast with your friends, Kristen and Darren. Augusta is out on special assignment at Pro Days. Mm -hmm. Even though Augusta, fan favorite, can't be here, we decided to get in the podcast booth to discuss some of the news that has been happening in the Panthers world, Darren. What news? News? (laughs) News? <laughs> Someone should have told me there was news. Yeah, Darren, uh, got oh some things gosh. to update you on. Yeah. So, <laughs> as every NFL fan, certainly every Panthers fan knows, uh, Friday afternoon, the Panthers, uh, let's say, a- according to reports, mm-hmm. and should yes, we say according I, to I reports? that's probably the safest way to say it. According to many, many, many reports, which will become official in about 26 hours at 4 o'clock on Wednesday, uh, yeah. The Panthers entered into a huge blockbuster trade with the Bears, which resulted in them trading up to the the number one overall pick in the draft. And just to explain for everyone who has questions or maybe you say, okay, why does some of this news look different on Panthers.com? Or why are you guys saying, according to reports, as Darren just said, the official new league year starts Wednesday at 4 p.m. It is right now Tuesday afternoon, so at least in this building, right. as Panthers employees, we will be saying, according to reports, until the new league year starts, right. which is when these deals are um, allowed to to go through and be official. Yeah, I think we've now said it enough times to give ourselves blanket immunity. Mm-hmm. We're okay from yes. this point. We can just speak about it as if it is. Because, One blanket, according to reports, for right. the entire podcast. Yeah, that, I like it. Yeah, that covers us on that. So. Yeah, big move. And number one pick in the draft. Hadn't had that in a while since, oh, 2011. Seem to remember that. Uh, That was a thing back then. And this one took a little, I mean, they they earned that number one pick in the organic way, which wasn't necessarily fun for anybody in 2010. That's one way to say they earned it in the organic way. Uh, This one was a little bit harder to come by. And the price was steep. I mean, to go... The, the ninth pick in the draft, the 61st pick in this year's draft, which was one of the twos you got from the Christian McCaffrey trade from San Francisco. And then uh, next year's one and a 2025 second rounder plus DJ Moore. And, and that's the part that I think's got everybody feeling some sort of way about it. And I think it would probably be celebrated even more. I mean, it's an incredible thing to be in position to take whatever quarterback you want but because DJ was included in it, I think that's giving some people pause. But, you know, honestly, when you look at what the market rate was to go from 9 to 1, and it's not just trading up for the first pick, you had to convince the Bears, you know, who ostensibly had opportunities to go to 2, to 4, to 7, to different places in the draft, you had to convince them to make it worth taking your deal as opposed to someone else's and that's why DJ became a thing. I mean, effectively, the Bears aren't interested in doing this if the Panthers don't throw DJ Moore into the mix because they've got a young quarterback of their own in Justin Fields, and they want to see if he's good at football. 
And so the best way to do that is give them an opportunity with someone we know is a top-shelf wide receiver, as DJ is. Mm -hmm. And again, not to throw in another, according to reports when you said that we had the one blanket statement, but it does seem like uh, you kind of just alluded to it that for the Bears – DJ Moore was almost a non-negotiable. That was certainly not initially part of something the Panthers wanted to do, nor did anyone, uh, certainly in this building, want to see him leave. He is such a a part of the fabric of this team and has been since 2018. Uh, but that was that was part of it, and it's a it's a steep price to pay to to go up to number one overall. Sure, and, and it's the cost of doing business. I mean, we we've talked about it around here for the last couple of years, and it's interesting that in bringing in Frank Reich to be a head coach, part of the reason he was available, and part of the reason he's here and not in his previous place, is a couple of teams who couldn't get off that wheel of veterans and just constantly churning and looking for that next guy in line. And you could tell both the Colts and the Carolina Panthers the last four or five years have been desperately searching for an answer. And everybody kind of knew the best way to get off that wheel was to draft one. And when you end up picking ninth in the draft, then you look around and start doing the math and start looking at the map ahead of you. And it's like, oh, no, Houston, they're going to want one. Okay, the Colts at four, they're going to want one. The Raiders at Seven, they'll probably want one. The Falcons, God only knows what they're doing at Mm -hmm. eight. And and there was an uncertainty. So you knew that sitting at nine, you were either going to take the third or fourth quarterback on the board, uh, whoever that may turn out to be, or not get one at all. And that wasn't a place anybody had to be. So you swallow hard, you make the move. And is that why uh, you mentioned the the Texans? Because we we had heard some things, well, they might look uh, to trade up to three they uh, you know, might look to get up a couple of places, but you think it just had to be number one. Well, I mean, that gives you the control over the process more than anything else. No and, and there have been some allusions to, oh, well, maybe they would trade back. And I think if you go through this process and if you find out that Houston it has their heart set on X, then maybe you bluff the Texans out of something. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. And I think one of the things that's interesting to me as a reporter standing back and knowing certain things and and watching the ecosystem play itself out, you hear reports in every single direction. I've read stuff already today that, oh, the Panthers secretly love fill in the blank or this. And we've pretty much covered the top four Mm -hmm. over the last couple of months. We've now seen reports that... I have seen reports for... All four of the right. the that who you would say were the top four quarterbacks. Absolutely. Yep. You've seen, oh, the Panthers love Bryce Young. Oh, they love CJ Stroud. Oh, they love Anthony Richardson, really. Oh no, actually, it's Will Levis. Um and, and right now they're still the one thing uh, as I take my momentary journalism soapbox diatribe, the one thing that too many people are afraid to say out loud is, I don't know what they're doing yet. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason that that's probably the best answer right now, because I don't think they know what they want to do right now. And that's why, you know, they're going to go out over the next couple of weeks and see all these guys. They're going to sit with them. They're going to eat dinner with them. Uh, they will probably come here for visits. They get Teams get to bring in 30 guys for individual visits before the draft. I would anticipate all four of those guys probably show up here for a meal at some point. And so I think the next couple of weeks are going to be big because when they get out on that pro day circuit, those things clump up. It's going to be Ohio State on Wednesday, Alabama Thursday, uh, Kentucky on Friday, and then Florida the following Thursday. And your hardworking Panthers.com staff will be there 
at all of those sites to bring you the latest. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned. But, Check Yeah, I mean, I, I think reports. they're absolutely still investigating and still trying to figure out who they like and what they want to do. And it's a great point. It's it's hard to put that nuance into a tweet, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't think that anyone on, on the face of it, if you're a Panthers fan, without any context, you don't want to hear Darren Gant say, I don't think they know what they're going to do yet. But it's a great point. We have almost a month left to the draft. So why would you not take every available right. opportunity when you are in the driver's seat to make sure that when you make that number one overall pick, you are absolutely certain you use all of this time. You use every resource available to make sure that you feel 100% confident in sure. that person, right? And even if you might know, we don't know, we don't know, but you might you know, feel 75% convicted, 85%, 95% convicted about a certain person. Why do you have to know 100% right this second when you've got a month and you are in the driver's seat. Yeah, and I think if you look at it from a different perspective, Kristen, this is kind of an extension of the entire offseason. I mean, what was the criticism of the process that led to the previous head coach being here? It went too fast. They fell for one guy in a hurry. When they were looking for a guy to fill that role, they interviewed nine guys mm-hmm. as head coaching candidates. They picked one. And then they were interviewing three, four, five, six, seven guys for each of the jobs underneath him. I Mm -hmm. mean, this was an exhaustive search. So I think what you could say is they have learned the benefit of being thorough. They have learned how to, you know, go through a process in a more mature way to, to really investigate, to really analyze this thing deeply to make sure you're making the right decision. And, you know, I know people would love to know who's going to be the first pick in the draft on March 14th. We don't have to pick it on March 14th. Mm-mm. We got six and a half weeks or so before we get to that point. So I, I think it's probably the smart play to exhaust all your time, to exhaust all your resources, to go through the process and make sure you know because you can't get this one wrong. You've got to be absolutely, you're going to hear the word conviction a lot over the next six weeks. And you've got to make sure you have that conviction about whoever it is because it's such a huge investment. It's And it's a great point, too, about the thoroughness in which David Tepper ha, has been conducting hiring of, of anyone, I'd say, since, mm-hmm. since Scott Fitterer on. Darren, I remember you and I sat with him when he talked us through the process of hiring yep. Scott Fitterer. And you just talked about the process of hiring Frank Reich and his staff. And we've heard the jokes, you and I have heard them, uh, of just how thorough those processes have been. As you said, uh, they made a joke that Dan Morgan was probably ready to fall over at a certain point when they were going through the the head coaching search because they conducted so many interviews. It is such a thorough process. And 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 Scott was what, one of 14 to interview for the GM job a couple years ago? And that's what Dave told us that at that time. I remember him telling you and I, Darren, we're going to go through all of the the processes that we need to go through. And it's not going to be for lack of getting to know people and for lack of vetting and making sure that, that we know things. And um, yeah, so it does make sense. It is in keeping with the ethos that he has yep. established with his more recent hires that uh, we're going to take all the time available yep. and they'll probably take the full 10 minutes on the clock on the first night of the draft too. We're going to take all the time available to us to make sure that when that pick comes, there are no questions. And that's what you've got to do. Because, again, and Scott even laughed and kind of admitted it when he was talking about this at the Combine before they made the move. 
because there was so much conversation even then about what it would take to be in position. And and every time he's asked about it, he says some version of, you better be right. Because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, let's be honest, GMs don't get many chances to pick first overall. If this you're ever a- in position to do that more than one time, usually some things have gone poorly. So, um, yeah, I mean, they just they know the stakes of this thing. Yes, that was I completely agree with you. Uh, listening to Scott Fitter talk at the Combine, um, as you said, they know the stakes. This is a very bold move. And as he said, and as Darren said, you'll hear a lot over the next month. You have to have conviction about it. And so they, they know that this is a, a big thing um, and you got to get it right. So with that being said, what are they looking for? What do they need to have in this quarterback? We've heard them talk a little bit about the traits. What are you looking for with this person who is going to be picked first overall? I mean, he's got to be a leader first and foremost. I mean, this guy's becoming the face of your franchise. Uh, Whether you want to put that kind of pressure on him or not. It's undeniable that it will happen. That's the thing that comes with it. I mean, it happened to Cam Newton, um, and and it'll happen to whether it's Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or whoever it happens to be. That'll be the thing, fair or unfair. He's going to walk into that situation. Now, again, does – is it fair to a rookie to have that put on him? Not necessarily, but that's the landscape. That's, that's what it's, it, look. It's it's also what comes along with being the first overall pick, yeah. and I would think that any of those guys that it might potentially be want that, right? right. I mean, it's not an, it's not an easy transition to go from college to the NFL, sure. but is it fair? Maybe not, but it comes with the job. Right. I think. And again, I think when you look back over the last five years, there was pressure on Teddy Bridgewater being the guy after Cam Newton. There's pressure on any quarterback. And then there's pressure on Sam when you make a trade for Sam Darnold to come in. And then there was pressure on Baker Mayfield to revive his career, which didn't exactly work out. So there's pressure on all these guys. But I think what they want, first and foremost, is to kind of modernize the offense. And I think, you know, as I wrote the other day on Panthers.com, part of the reason you make this move is, okay, you didn't hire – Frank Reich and Jim Caldwell and Josh McCown and Thomas Brown and Sean Jefferson and Deuce Staley to run a pedestrian offense. You, your goal was to modernize and, and catch up to the NFL in terms of offense. When the, You heard it a lot when they hired Frank. He, it was the very first coach in franchise history to come from an offensive mm-hmm. background. And, you know, when you back it up with that degree of assistant coaching experience, and there are over 200 years of NFL experience on this coaching staff right now, most of it clumped up on the offensive side of the ball, and that's on purpose. And they didn't hire all those guys to coach a seventh-round pick. Mm-hmm. You, you want to take a big swing? All right, here's the people you want to work with them. And, and that's the thing. While – that quarterback, whoever he may be, and depending on what time you're looking at Twitter, you'll be convinced it's somebody else. Mm-hmm. Whoever it is, that kid's going to be backstopped by a great coaching staff. And after yesterday's news, which we are allowed to talk about, yes, he's going to have Bradley Bozeman snapping him the ball. And that means an intact offensive line. I was downstairs earlier today, ran into Taylor Moten, and and it's like, you got your guy back. And the band's back together. And and. Taylor's been around here for a long time of not knowing who's going to be next to him. Mm-hmm. Sometimes than, from game to game. From game to game or play to play. And so he was kind of laughing about it. He said, it's just an opportunity to grow. It's a chance to build on something that was already pretty good and to become more cohesive and to 
stay together for a little bit and, and really be something to build upon. And speaking of building, too, James Campen also yep. back uh, did a great job with the O-line. Yep. Last year was retained by Frank Reich um, yep. on his staff. And you're right. I mean, that the that quarterback is, is coming in, at least in terms of the offensive line, mm-hmm. um, in a very good position. Yeah. Which, again, if you're the number one overall pick, as you said, sometimes you don't right. come into that if you're a quarterback with a great offensive line because yep. a lot of uh, a lot of the times, as you said, you're you're um, going to the team that was worse right. last year. We, so, and we are going to exhaust a lot of Cam Newton comparisons because Cam being the first pick in eleven, Cam went through it. I mean, after Jordan Gross retired, Cam never had a, the same left tackle going from one year into the next. Cam always had a revolving door. I mean, he had good lines on the interior. They were usually stronger at guard and center than they were outside. But Cam was able to make stuff work without the benefit of having anything resembling this five. And, you know, I think that's going to be a benefit, whether it's to Bryce, whether it's to CJ or Will or Anthony or whoever it happens to be. uh, They walk into a little more comfortable place. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's talk about um, some of the positions that we um, that are not as uh, sure as the offensive line and, and where things stand. Again, this is Tuesday afternoon, so by the time you listen to this, things could have changed. But just as things stand right now, Darren, uh, with DJ Moore no longer yep. uh, with the Panthers, that leaves uh, some questions at receivers. Yeah, that's a thing. And they could really use, and I think it even goes beyond wide receiver. You've got a lump tight end in with this and Augusta did a good job the other day kind of summing up what's available in the market and I and I think you've got to turn over every rock you've got to talk to all the free agents there are not a ton of free agents at wide receiver so I think you're going to be looking for uh, guys who you may have to trade for guys who may get cut in the coming days I mean there are certain positions there are certain teams usually if somebody signs with a team, big free agent contract, somebody ends up leaving Mm. uh, who might be on a big salary. And I think they're probably looking at around at a few of those situations right now. So I I think you're curious about how they're going to fill those jobs, but they've said flat out. I mean, even before they traded DJ, they were talking about adding to the receiver position. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, it's it's hugely important. I mean, you need – A, for Terrace Marshall Jr. to become something greater than he has been, and you've got to go find help. I mean, there are going to be multiple new faces at that position, but I think tight end is as important as a wide receiver because if you had that kind of safety blanket target for a rookie quarterback, that works out. Again, Cam Newton reference alert. First thing they did for Cam Newton when he comes here as the first pick in 11, trade for some guy named Greg Olson and then back him up with Jeremy Shockey. But I would say, though, it, it feels like from that time to now, you're talking about not a lot of wide receivers uh, being available. There's there's a certain number of pass-catching tight ends, right? Yeah. And uh, they're not easy to come by. No. Um, you know, ones that are putting up – I mean, certainly not that are putting up numbers like Greg Olson. Right. Greg so, Olson's a rare for a reason. I mean, Greg was great at what he does. but And I'm not saying they're going to be able to find a Greg Olson caliber – but they just have to have more production out of that position. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've got a bunch of guys who are good blockers. They've got people who are developing and may turn into something somewhere down the road. But for the most part, these are guys who haven't been big factors in the passing game. And and Bryce or CJ or Anthony or Will, <laughs> you know, we'll just say those four names as a as a conglomerate for the next six weeks. Um, 
that guy's going to need one of those guys or a little bit more from that position. So I think it's kind of a two-pronged approach to fixing this thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then let's talk a little bit about uh, what else the Panthers have, according to reports, been doing uh, in free agency, some of the early news that has come out and where things stand. And it's kind of a, oh, by the way, you know, uh, the team has reportedly, allegedly traded for the first pick in the draft. They're also turning over an entire defense. I mean, Mm -hmm. going from a 4-3 base, you talk about always having defensive coordinators and defensive coaches in charge of the place. It's always been a 4-3 for the most part since the early years. Before we go into what that personnel is starting to look like, can we? because we haven't talked about this on the podcast, we we talked with Averro a little bit about it, Mm -hmm. or I have, I know you have as well, and what he has said is, Yes, we are going to a 3-4, but that's that's the base package. We're very multiple. Right. So as as far as what we're seeing now in free agency and really just the philosophy, how much is this changing everything? I, I think it's it's reasonably, it's sort of substantial. I think Derek Brown's going to be doing some different things. Mm. I think you're going to see Derek Brown lined up as a defensive end in a 3-4. He's going to have the opportunity to continue to try to get pressure, to continue to rush, be an upfield player, because that's what Derek's best at. I think you're going to see Brian Burns with his hand up out of the dirt. You're not going to see him buried on the line in front of somebody. He's going to be in space a little more often, and and we'll see what that means for him. Obviously, this is a big year for Brian uh, for a lot of reasons, Mm -hmm. but I I think as you go into that process of converting to a 3-4, there were a couple places where you needed – more of something or needed a little something different. I, I, keeping Shaq Thompson around on a different contract was important because without him, you're basically remaking the entire linebacker core with guys who either haven't been linebackers or aren't exactly suited for this role. But I think the big one is, according to reports, uh, Shy Tuttle yes. coming in from the Saints. That's your nose. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the guy who's there to take up a lot of space. And, again, Averro's defense is complicated enough. It's hard to, you know, give it a Twitter description. Uh, I want you to explain the whole thing in 30 seconds or less. Yeah, exactly. It's a complicated thing. But Shy is good enough at taking up space and creating, uh, I don't know, taking on the doubles inside that Uh it's going to create opportunities for the guys behind him. If you remember back to the early days, and you're so young you probably do not remember the 90s, Kristen, uh, I remember the 90s. <laughs> but back in the old days when it was Mike Fox and Greg Cragen and Gerald Williams up front, those guys were there to take up space for Sam Mills, mm-hmm. for Lamar Lathan, for Kevin Green. This is a little bit different defense. It's got shades of what Dom Capers was coaching then and what Dom continues to help Gero Evero coach now. Um, but Burns is going to be the guy in space doing the Lamar Lathan and Kevin Green stuff, and Shaq's going to be the guy in the Sam Mills spot. And after that, there's still some matching up. I think Frankie Louvu is going to play mostly inside, but has the ability to do some outside stuff too. Jeremy Chin, who we haven't mentioned yet, with the addition, reportedly, of Von Bell at safety to pair in the back with Xavier Woods, suddenly Jeremy becomes another guy you can move mm-hmm. around and do different stuff with. And I think that's Which going I think to, plays to his strengths. Yeah, that's going to give them a lot of options in terms of how they match people up. The question also becomes, all right, who's your other outside linebacker in base packages? Is it Etour? Is it Marquise Haynes? Is it somebody who's not on the roster right now? 
We'll see. It's still very early in this free agent period. Mm-hmm. I just want to say, I know this is a podcast, but Darren has looked at his imaginary watch a few times to emphasize <laughs> it's still very early. So he's not wearing a yeah. watch, but he's doing the glance. And we are not uh, recording on camera. But I, I like that you're emphasizing. You're like, ah, it's still really early. It, Let me check my wrist yeah, over here's here. A, here's a parenting story for you, Kristen Balboni. Um, I stopped wearing an actual watch on my wrist about 20 years ago when my daughter was born. And when baby girl was, you know, being carried around, I scratched her with the clasp on the back of my watch. One time early, she started screaming. I took it off, put it in my pocket, never put a watch on since. So I've been walking around staring at an empty wrist for for about 20 years now. So uh, that is the kind of thing you get to know when you're a parent. I love that. I love that. Is there anything else as it relates to where we are in free agency that we haven't covered? I I feel like we've gotten through a lot of it. We've we've covered a good bit of ground. I mean, again, when you trade for the first pick in the draft and – DJ Moore is a part of it, and you bring back Bradley Bozeman, and you go out and reportedly sign Shy Tuttle and Von Bell, and Sam Franklin's mm-hmm. coming back, and you restructure um, Shaq Thompson's and you restructure uh, Shaq, so he hangs around. I mean, uh, that's what I'm saying. The front office has kept us busy on this podcast. They are certainly busy. I'm just making been, sure that we've ticked all of our boxes. Been a little bit of stuff going on, and probably a little bit more coming in the next couple of days. So stay tuned. Absolutely. Well, we will be here when more stuff does come back around. Thank you so much. We're listening to this episode of the Happy Half Hour podcast. We'll catch you next time.